Good afternoon. It is a joy to be here today. If your Bibles aren't already open up to Matthew 19, I see you'll open them there now. We're going to use this as the beginning of our, our lesson today. Here, this account of who we often call the, the rich young ruler, uh, I think we, we see a man who was obviously very concerned about spiritual things. Uh, you, you see that in the questions that he asks Jesus here. And he seems to be very genuine in those questions as he asks Jesus what he needs to do to inherit eternal life, what commandments he needs to keep, what, what he still lacks. I think he had every intention of, of following through. I don't think he intended for this interaction uh, to, to end with him going away sorrowful and not responding to what Jesus said. Seems he has a genuine interest in what, what the answers are to these questions. And we learn even more about this man that from his youth, he had strived to keep the law. All these commandments that Jesus lists, he says, I, I've, I've been doing these things. I think if you were to ask this man what his first priority in life was, he probably would have said serving God. And more than that, I, I think he probably would have believed it. And yet, Jesus here in this interaction exposes the idols in his heart. That God, in fact, was not his first priority. Now, God was a priority in his life. It was something important to him. I think we see that in this interaction. But it wasn't his first priority. And I think that's what Jesus shows here. I think for all of us here today, if you were to ask any of us, what our first priority in life is, I think every single one of us would say serving God. Serving God is the most important thing in my life. But if we're not careful what we claim our priorities are and what they are in reality can be a lot different. We can end up being just like this rich young ruler. We might answer that question of what our highest priority is based on what we know our priorities should be rather than what they actually are. But God isn't going to judge us based on our ideals or our intentions. He's going to judge us based on the priorities that we put into practice. And so what I want us to ask ourselves today is what are my true priorities? Not what do I think they should be, what 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 I hope that they are, what I intend for them to be, but what actually are my priorities. And I, I hope that we can take a step back and, and take an objective look at ourselves. And to do that, we're going to ask six questions of ourselves that I think will, will help us see what our true priorities are. The first question that I want us to ask is, what would others say my priorities are? Uh, now, certainly, others may not know us as well as we know ourselves, right? Uh, we're, we're the only one that, that knows our, our thoughts from day to day. But often, other people see us more objectively than we see ourselves. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 2 tells us, Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. You know, very few people... Can, continually live in a state of, of, of thinking that they are a bad person, doing things in, intentionally that they know are, are wrong. Most people would like to think that they're good people, right? 
and try to at least balance out the scales to a point where, where they feel like they, they ha have a claim to, to being good. Often we, we sugarcoat our actions in our own minds, right? And we emphasize or focus on our good qualities, and we kind of minimize our, our bad qualities to create a picture of ourselves in our own minds um, that may be a little bit different than what we actually reflect to others. We see this concept in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says there in verse 3 and 4, Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. Many times we're, we're, we're blind to our own faults. And yet, we can much quicker see the faults in other people. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I see this problem in, in, in people that I interact with. If you didn't recognize the irony in that statement. Um, but that, that's how we can be, Right? We, we can be judgmental and critical of, of, of other people that are judgmental and critical. And it's so easy to see problems in other people. We hear the sermon, we think, oh, yes, that is a problem. Yes, I see that around me all, all the time. But what the challenge is to, see, is to see it in ourselves, to truly self-examine. And I think to help us do that, sometimes we, we need to seek out a second opinion. To, to try to, to see ourselves the way that other people see us, to, to, to see our actions not as we sugarcoat them or as we'd like to, like to see them, but, but to ask people that we trust um, to help us make an objective evaluation of our lives. And so what, what would my neighbors or coworkers say is most important to me? They see what I, I talk about, how I act on a day-to-day -day basis. They often see how I choose to use my time. They, they see what I'm most passionate about, what, what makes me tick. What would they say is most important to me? And is it the same as what I would say is most important to me? If not, I could be deceiving myself. What about my family? What am I, about my children or, or my, my spouse? You know, they get to see me many times when I'm not striking a certain pose, but, but when my shoes are off, my hair is down, I'm just being myself. They see me on the good days and the bad days, the ups and the downs. What would they say is most important to me? If we want to know what our true priorities are, maybe, maybe we need to ask some of those people. Ask your children. Ask your family members. Ask your neighbors and coworkers what they think is most important to you? What, what do you think they would say? If you don't know what they'd say, ask. We need to strive to see ourselves objectively, and sometimes others can help us do that um, better than we can on our own. But along with that further, we need to evaluate what it is that we think about. What's most important to us is often going to be what our, our minds drift to, uh, our true priorities are the things that our, our thoughts are drawn to when, when our minds are just kind of in, in neutral. Uh, when activities and obligations don't require us to be thinking about anything particular, what, what do we want to think about? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, we're told where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I, I think maybe the, the primary point there is, is where our 
uh, where, where we lay up treasures, that's where our heart truly is. But I think it goes the other way as well, that what is most important to us, what our treasure is, that's where our heart is going to be dwelling, where, where our heart and mind is going to focus on. What is truly of most value to us is going to be shown in our thought life and, and what we focus on. What, what do I think about when I'm driving home from work or when I'm lying in bed at night and can't fall asleep? What do my thoughts drift to? When I'm eating breakfast or taking a shower or mowing the lawn or washing the dishes, I'm doing some, some uh, non-mind intensive task. What are the kind of things that I think about? Psalm 1 in verse 2, we have a picture of a man who, who is described metaphorically as a, as a tree planted by the waters. This, this picture of spiritual strength, of spiritual continual nourishment and, and growth and bearing fruit. But I want you to notice in Psalm 1 and verse 2 what is said about this man. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. If I want to be spiritually strong and thriving in my service to the Lord, this needs to describe me. And I, what we need to evaluate as we think about our priorities is, does this describe me? Are these the things that I meditate about? God's word, God's will, my relationship with the Lord, my service to him. Are those the things that I want to think about, that my mind drifts towards? Here, this picture of the man planted by the rivers of, of water, this tree, is, is a man who you could catch thinking about God even in his off moments. Does that describe us? Colossians 3 and verse 2 tells us that it should describe us. We are told, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. If, if you were to take all your thoughts for the week, and you were to put it on a scale, and, and, and which of those thoughts were kind of more earthbound, and which of those were more heavenly, spiritually focused thoughts, where would the scales tip? Am I mostly just thinking about the here and now, the, the tasks of, of life, the physical things that, that I uh, enjoy or am dealing with, or am I constantly thinking about things from a spiritual perspective? from God's perspective. As Christians, we need to be setting our minds on things above. And even as we encounter the physical circumstances of life and the tasks of life from day to day, we need to, to learn to see those from a spiritual perspective. And that's where our thoughts need to drift. That's what we need to meditate upon. Does that describe me? If my true priority, my first priority is serving God, that will show in my thought life. But not only in my thoughts, closely related to that, are my words. What, what do I talk about? In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 and 35, here Jesus says to the Pharisees, he says, You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of the good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. What I'm thinking about, what I'm dwelling on, is, is ultimately what comes out of my mouth. My words are a reflection of what is in my heart. And that's going to show in the, in the things that I converse about from day to day. If I am truly treasuring the Lord within my heart, that's going to show in what comes out of my mouth. How, how much do I talk about the Lord? 
with my neighbors, with my co-workers, with my family? How, how much is that uh, a central part of, of my conversation? If it's truly what is most important, what I'm most passionate about, isn't that going to be what I want to talk about? Right? You know, if, if you interact with somebody and, and every time you see them, they're always talking about Steelers football. And, you know, and, and this player and that player and the game, well, obviously that reveals that's something that's very important to them, right? They, they think about that a lot. Well, what about us? Shouldn't the Lord be something that we're constantly talking about at the dinner table when, when we're driving on, the, on the, our kids to uh, different activities, when we're getting ready for a bed? What, what dominates our conversation? What do we most naturally and enthusiastically talk about? Do we just talk about the Lord when that's kind of what we're supposed to be talking about? You know, well, we, we have to uh, get ready for our, our Bible lesson, and so let's talk about that now. Or is that something that we want to talk about? Acts chapter 4 and verse 19 and 20, we see the attitude of the apostles, which I think is an attitude that should describe us. Here, when Peter and John are told not to preach Jesus anymore, their response, they say, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Not a, a, an edict from any governing body could keep them from, from speaking about the Lord. They had seen Jesus. They had seen the, the, the gospel in action. They had seen Jesus rise from the dead. That's something they were not going to be quiet about. What about us? What does it take to keep us quiet about the gospel? Many times it doesn't take a whole lot at all. Just other Things that, that come into our, our conversation that kind of crowd out the Lord. We need to have the attitude that there is nothing that is going to keep us from speaking about the Lord. You know, are we more enthusiastic talking about sports or politics or hunting or, or movies or music or other hobbies? Or are we most enthusiastic talking to our neighbors and our co-workers about the Lord? Do we even mention the Lord in those conversations. If it's truly the most important part of our life, it's something that should show in the things we speak about. But fourthly, how do we spend our time? What are we busying ourselves with? What does our schedule book reveal? Now, certainly, we, we recognize we, we all have obligations of day-to-day -day life. You, you know, we need to, to eat. We need to, to, to sleep. We need to, to work. Uh, kids need to uh, do school. But I, I think sometimes we convince ourselves that a lot more of the things in our schedule are obligations than really are. We convince ourselves that, well, we, we just really don't have a lot of time to spend studying the, the scriptures. We don't really have a whole lot of time to, to cultivate our relationship with the Lord or to reach out and encourage our brethren or, or to spread the gospel. We, we just have all these other obligations. Well, I think sometimes the obligations that we, we think we have are conditional obligations, right? You know, I, I, I need to work this overtime if I want to continue to climb up in my job. Uh, the, the kids have to go to ball practice if they want to stay on the team. 
I need to, to spend more time studying my schoolwork if I want to get an A on the test. Now, all of those things are, can be good things, right? Nothing wrong with those things. But sometimes we take those as, as givens, right? Well, of course we're going to do that. Of course we're, we're going to meet that obligation. And yet our relationship with the Lord doesn't have that same status, it can be very easy to, to view our time with brethren, our, our work in the Lord's kingdom, our, our personal time in cultivating a relationship with the Lord as kind of a little bit more moldable. You know, that, that if, if something else comes up, well, we, we, can, we can always shift that. Well, the things that are truly most important to us are going to be the things that stand firm in our schedule books, Right? Everything else is going to be moldable around that. We need to start viewing our work for the Lord, our relationship with the Lord, what it, it means for us to be disciples in the Lord's service as, as things that are pillars within our schedule. That's what we're going to do. That's who we are. That is what is most important in our lives. What do we make time for? Or by chance, if we have spare time, how do we want to spend that? Psalm 1 that we looked at earlier, this man who is a tree planted by the waters, it says he meditates on God's law day and night. All the time, that's what he wants to think about. That's what he wants to spend his time doing. Psalm 119 and verse 148. Here the psalmist says, My eyes anticipate the night watches that I may meditate on your word. You know, most times I, I anticipate the night watches that I can get some rest, right? <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to. But here he's saying, I, I'm looking forward to the time that I don't have these other noisy uh, and busy things going on that I can focus on the Lord. If that means that I have to sacrifice sleep, well, that's a sacrifice I, I'm glad to make. Because this is what's most important. Is that our attitude? I think one area that we will see that, and and that might be at least most evident to to others around us, as we talked about earlier, is in the assembly of the saints. Now, now certainly our service to the Lord, if, if, if all that we do in service to the Lord is combined within these four walls, then we're not being who we need to be. We need to be cultivating individual relationship with the Lord. We need to be working day by day to shine his light, to do his work, to spread the word. But here, I think we need not to undermine the importance that God has placed on the assembly of the saints. What the church is, by definition, is an assembly. And we are intended as a body, as a family, as a flock to come together to stir one another up, not only on Sundays or on Tuesdays, um, but certainly we have those opportunities and we need to take those seriously. We're told in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Notice this this first starts in our thoughts. Let us consider how to stir one another up to loving good works. One of those things that we need to be thinking about constantly is is how can I encourage 
him? And how can I encourage her? And what can I do to build up the body? Those are things that I need to be thinking about constantly. But that's going to show itself as well by making our assembling together a priority. There's no getting around that. We're not to forsake the assembly. We're not to to push it down our priority list. We're to give it a position of honor in our priority list. That it is of great importance that we spend time together stirring one another up to love and good deeds. You know, certainly there are times where where we're not going to be able to be at the assembly for one reason or another. But I think we need to do some serious self-evaluation about that. Because in in most cases where we are physically able to be at the assembly and we're not, it's because we have made a decision, whether we realize it or not, that we have decided that something is more important than being at the assembly on this given day. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't times where that might be a legitimate decision. As I said, there are many other aspects of our service to the Lord, and there may be times where we have some other obligation. We need to take care of a, a sick child, right? We, we, we have other things that we need to be doing in the Lord's service, obligations that we have. But, but let's not convince ourselves that we can choose one thing over another and the assembly still be the most important. When we make a decision, what we're saying is that this thing is more important. And so we need to be honest about that. But that doesn't only apply to our assemblies on, on Sundays or, or our Bible classes on Tuesdays. We see Hebrews 3 verse 13, encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I haven't come across a a day yet in my life that was not called today. And so what we're talking about is something that applies every single day. That we as members of this body, members of the the Lord's church, are, are to be looking out on how we can encourage and stir up and serve one another and do the Lord's work together on a day by day basis. Will we make time for, for extra studies, for, for evangelistic efforts, to, to visit other congregations when there are opportunities? Will we take time to reach out to those who are spiritually weak, to those who are struggling, to those who are discouraged? Will we take time to have brethren over to our home, to get together with them? Um, those are the type of things that we as disciples need to be making time for. What does your schedule book reveal about your priorities? If I look at my schedule, and I see all the things that I did for this past week, what would it tell me is most important in my life? Because it's probably going to be a lot more honest about it than I am. We need to honestly evaluate what's most important, how we're spending our time. And along with that, I think we also can see what's most important to us in how we spend our money, how we spend our resources. Matthew chapter 6 Verses 19 and 20. Matthew 6, verse 19 and 20. Here Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Where is your treasure? Where are you laying up things? Is it just physical things here on earth? Now, you may know some people, or maybe you yourself, have some collection, right? Some people like to collect uh, antique cars and fix them up really nice, and, and, and they uh, enjoy doing that. They spend a lot of money into buying those cars, fixing them up. Maybe somebody has a collection of baseball memorabilia or, or fine china that they like collecting and, and uh, placing in their house. And certainly there, there's nothing inherently wrong with having some such hobby. But can you imagine going to somebody's house and seeing this, this collection that they've spent thousands of dollars on and you ask them that, about it and them saying, well, no, that, that's really not very important to me. Well, based on the amount of money you've spent on that, I, it seems pretty important, right? What we have invested our resources in is something that's important to us. We need to not only look at our schedule book, but look at our, our checkbook. What, what, what does it show is most important to us? And again, obviously, we have many obligations. We, we need to provide food for our family. We have bills to, to pay, uh, health insurance premiums or retirement payments. But again, just as with our schedules, I think sometimes we, we consider certain things, well, they're givens. Those are obligations. I, I have to put money into this. And then when it comes to my service to the Lord, um, which, you know, certainly that applies to the, the co- collection, the contribution, the work of the collective church, uh, but also in other areas that we're able to use our resources to do the Lord's work as individual disciples serving others. What does that reveal about us? Uh, Many times we consider certain things obligations, and yet our our use of our funds and our resources for the Lord's work, well, you know, if if, if there's some economic crisis and and I have to cut back, what's the first thing to go? You know, do do I cut my contribution before I cut my my cable bill? Well, that's going to reveal something about what's most important to me. Remember in Luke 21, the, the story about the widow and her two mites. And here Jesus praises this woman who, who gives all that she had to live on. You know, when everything else was cut out of her budget, what was the last thing remaining? Her service to the Lord. But that, that needs to be our attitude. That we're willing to sacrifice all these other things no matter how much we consider them to be obligations and needs, to do the Lord's work. And so both with our schedule book and with our checkbook, it's going to reveal something about what's most important to us. And it might be more honest than we are ourselves. The last question that I want us to consider really encompasses a lot of what we have just said. And that's, what gives when I face a conflict of priorities? You know, many times if, if, if there's no pressure and in, in, in me using my resources for the Lord and me using my time for the Lord uh, is a rather easy thing for me to do. It, it doesn't come in conflict with other things in my life. Well, then, you know, of course, I'm going to continue to do that. What, what really shows us where our priorities are is when some of those priorities come in conflict with one another, what wins out? 
Well, that's going to show me what's truly first. And I think that's what we see with the rich young ruler here. Jesus said back in Matthew 6 and verse 24 in the Sermon on the Mount, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. There can't be two things on the throne of our hearts. At the end of the day, there's only one thing on the throne of our hearts. One thing that's going to reign supreme when, when our schedule um, or our, our resources come in conflict with one another. And here with the rich young ruler, what it ended up being was his wealth. What was serving God a priority in his life? Certainly. He, he had spent a great deal of time trying to o- obey the law throughout his youth, trying to learn the law. Even coming to Jesus, asking these questions, but was it the most important priority in his life? After this interaction, there's no way he could honestly claim that it was. Now, when those priorities came into a conflict with one another, it became very evident what was most important. And he went away sorrowful because he had great wealth. What reigns supreme on the throne of our hearts? Brethren, Jesus is not satisfied with second place. If you want to turn in your Bibles or, or look here on the screen, in Matthew 10, verse 37 and 38. Here Jesus says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. If we want to be Jesus' disciple, he's not satisfied with second place. Even other things that are legitimately important, certainly God wants us to serve our families, right? That's not what he's saying uh, here, that, that family is not important. God created the family. But what is most important? If I want to be a follower of Jesus, if I want to be a disciple of the Lord, I need to make sure that that when things come in conflict, Jesus always wins. He always comes first. And so what about you? What about me? When I have a scheduling conflict, I, I, I can't convince myself that the thing that I didn't choose is truly most important, right? When you have, have two things that are battling for your schedule. The one that you choose is the one that in that specific instance was most important. When things are battling for my attention, for my energy, for my resources, what's going to win? We need to, to work to cultivate the type of hearts that always put Jesus first. Brother and I, I know that this sermon is an extremely challenging sermon. If, there, if there's a single one of us here who, who doesn't leave feeling inadequate and fulfilling what we just talked about, then we probably aren't being honest with ourselves. I recognize that, that, we, that I need to grow in putting the Lord first consistently, always, and letting that reign supreme. But we have a choice today. We can either go away from here discouraged and sorrowful because we feel like, well, this is just something that I'm never going to live up to. That's what the rich young ruler did. Is that going to be you? Is that going to be me?
I certainly hope not. Many times we feel like if we sacrifice these things, well, then we're just going to be miserable. You know, what if the rich young ruler did do what Jesus said? Would he have been miserable from then on out? I think he thought he would. He thought that, well, if I give this up, then my life is just going to be empty, right? But what really happens when we completely surrender to the Lord, we say, whatever sacrifice I need to make, you're going to come first. Because we find that the Lord fills us up better than anything else can. Eternally. He alone has genuine peace and joy and hope that nothing else can give us. So what about you today? How are you going to respond? Will you make the changes that need to be made to keep the Lord first? God is patient with us. God's understanding as we seek to grow. And and as we seek to align our lives more fully with with his will, that's going to be something we're going to have to work on. But let's be committed to that process. Committed to keeping him first in all things. If there's anyone here today who recognizes that they have not been putting the Lord first, that they've been convincing themselves that this is their first priority, but when they look at their schedule book and their their checkbook and when they look at what other people would say and and the decisions that they make, they realize that's not the case, then make that change now. And if there's anything that we can do in helping you make that change, that's why we're here. We're all imperfect. We're all growing. But God designed his body, his family, to help each other in that growth. And that's what we want to do. If there's anyone who who needs the prayers and support of the brethren at this time and and would like to ask for those prayers, if there's anyone who needs to commit themselves to following the Lord for the first time by his grace, you can confess your belief in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God. You can bury your old life in the waters of baptism. You can be raised again to walk in newness of life, have a hope of eternity in his presence. Are you willing to put God on the throne of your heart to follow Jesus from this day forward. If there's any change that needs to be made, we ask that that you will uh, let that be known at this time. Anything that we can do to help, please let us know as we stand and sing together.